Welcome to Both And with Bessie Graham, your weekly inspiration to help you use your time, talent, and treasure to make a bigger difference in the lives of others. I'm your host, Bessie Graham, award-winning entrepreneur with over 20 years of experience from the grassroots to the hallowed halls. Thanks for joining me. Let's jump in. In this week's episode, we're going to explore what I call the Mother Teresa trap, and I'll give you some tips on how to avoid it. Having spent more than 20 years in the world of impact investment, social enterprise, philanthropy, and nonprofits, I have seen it all, folks. And in today's episode, I want to put up a few guardrails and signposts for you so that as you go further on your journey of creating a life and legacy that is both fulfilling for you and impactful on the world, you can avoid some of the common traps that others have fallen into before you. You'll often hear me speak about the dichotomy or black and white worldview that breaks our choices into one of two camps, doing good or making money. Whether it's in the legal structure you use to establish your organisation or the career path you choose to embark on, there is a spoken or unspoken rule that says you must choose one because the world does not believe that the two can coexist in harmony. This mindset is at the heart of so much of what is wrong with the world and why our attempts at solutions continue to not only fail to solve, but more often than not actually make the problems worse, not better. Yes, you heard me correctly. Despite all the good intentions and the billions of dollars being spent, many of the most pressing issues of the day are getting worse, not better. How can that be, you might be wondering? Well, I would argue that one of the reasons is that so many people fall into the Mother Teresa trap as they begin to shift their focus to wanting to contribute or do good. When we come from a worldview deeply rooted in a mindset of either or and find ourselves unfulfilled or at a crossroads, our natural instinct is to conclude that the road we have chosen is the wrong one and that we must now lean heavily in the opposite direction. Swinging between extremes is far more straightforward and less complicated for a confused or overwhelmed mind, so we go with the easy answer. You're starting to get to know me now, and you know that I passionately believe that there is power in a both-and mindset. The both-and mindset will help you look at the world, question your options, and conceptualize solutions that others wouldn't. But in order to step into that, you need to be able to avoid the Mother Teresa trap. Let me explain what I mean. From my experience, I see four common features of the Mother Teresa trap. I would name them as the saviour complex, unhealthy power dynamics, romanticised suffering, and the cult of the heropreneur. 
let's look at each of these traps and unpack them a little bit. Firstly, the saviour complex. If we've had a mindset that silos doing good off into a discrete, separate box, at some point in our life or career, a stirring is likely to emerge. We will begin to ask, is this all there is? How can I contribute more? Or what does it look like to give back or to have a positive impact in the world? For many people, this can happen when the concept of legacy arises, because they have put on hold the grand notions that they had of contribution, thinking it was something that they would do when they made it or when they retire. Whether these stirrings and questions emerge early in your career or later in life, beware of the saviour complex that tends to follow. The saviour complex is embodied by an unhealthy attitude when someone enters a situation or engages with a group of people in a way that conveys, you've got a problem, I have the solution. When you engage as a saviour, without contextual or cultural currency, and without taking the time to understand the nuances and build rapport and trust, you decrease the chance of achieving positive impacts that can be sustained long-term, and you increase the chance of negative, unintended consequences because of blind spots that your engagement has failed to anticipate. The saviour complex is fueled by a need to save people by fixing their problems. It can take many forms, but commonly, I see people being drawn to those they see as vulnerable, seeking to change other people, being solution-driven and needing to fix a problem to the point of becoming more focused on that than on the people you set out to help, exhibiting self-sacrifice without healthy boundaries. This easily morphs into some of the martyrdom aspects I'll touch on in the section where I'm going to speak about romanticising suffering. The moralistic undertones of self-flagellation for the cause can have serious negative impacts across the board. One of the sad results of the saviour complex is that it disempowers those you seek to help, it blurs personal boundaries leading to burnout and resentment, and yet it rarely creates lasting positive change as it neither understands or respects the context or culture it is seeking to influence. What many a saviour has failed to do is to ask if those they are seeking to help actually want their help. The second trap we're going to look at is unhealthy power dynamics. This leads us into the place where we see a disconnect and lack of respect. This is embodied by unhealthy power dynamics that come into play when we shift gears rapidly, trying to suddenly be contributing and making a difference in the world without the essential step that the wonderful Pamela Hardigan always spoke about of apprenticing with the problem. There are a small group of people who wield their power in harmful ways intentionally. I'm not addressing those people in the conversation today. Because as in the episode where I spoke about the common misconceptions of legacy, 
and there being one of the camps that I have no interest in working with, the same goes here. If someone is consciously wielding their power in ways that damage others, I have no interest in working with them. I want to work with people like you, who are tuning in to the ways in which they show up and bring their whole selves to work and life in intentional ways that create the win-win of a double-sided legacy. That's what we're focusing on today. And I'm here to share what I know to help you as you seek to understand and design what your unique contribution is and do it in ways that are fulfilling and life-giving for you and have a positive impact on the world. If I can help raise your consciousness on how to do that and at the same time help you avoid common mistakes, then I'm happy. So let's focus on the unconscious aspects of unhealthy power dynamics and by bringing them into the light, catch ourselves when we fall into the trap. This allows us to both anticipate and design into the ways we engage approaches that help rebalance or shift power dynamics before they do unnecessary damage. Gloria Steinem once said, If you are in a place where you're more powerful than the people around you, listen as much as you talk. And if you're less powerful, talk as much as you listen. I would encourage you to tune in to power dynamics in different situations, both related to yourself and others, and seek to shift them or even them out. Being conscious is the first step. The intentional choices you then make are what set up the outcomes you'll achieve. Two of the other common features of unhealthy power dynamics are unquestioned bias and unexamined motivations. Reflecting on and becoming conscious of your own bias and your motivations can help you avoid the Mother Teresa trap of stepping into a different culture or setting and not necessarily being conscious of her own bias or the driving forces of those actions or behaviours and how that sat within the local context she was then attempting to make a positive impact on. The third trap we're going to look at is romanticised suffering. Romanticised suffering has a long history and is a trap on both sides of the equation. You can either fall into it yourself by feeling that you need to deprive yourself of comfort in order to do good, or you can use the suffering of others to engage support for your cause, make yourself feel more useful, or relieve your own guilt. Both versions of romanticising suffering are unhealthy. When we fall into romanticising suffering ourselves, this takes shape in what we'd refer to as martyrdom. You feel consciously or unconsciously that you need to suffer or deprive yourself as you seek to contribute to the world. This is a long tradition in both religious and non-profit or charitable settings. Romanticising suffering on the side of martyring yourself puts the focus on the wrong area 
and means that you can inadvertently prioritize behaviors and outcomes that keep yourself or others trapped in negative cycles and poor outcomes because of the mindset that has been created around the meaning of suffering. When we romanticize suffering by highlighting the suffering of others, it can turn into a version of poverty tourism, where those who are more financially privileged either physically visit impoverished communities for the purpose of witnessing poverty firsthand, or where we use images and stories of their suffering, and let's be honest, a nice dash of our own saving, to raise funds, support, or other attention for a cause. While we may disguise these activities by calling them educational or awareness building, there is a fine line between romanticizing suffering in order to raise attention and funds and engagement that truly seeks to understand and see how one can best contribute to what others may feel they want assistance with. In the case of Mother Teresa, there was much criticism that the conditions of those she worked with were the draw card for the massive financial support she garnered. And when we frame a response in this way, we can lose sight of the end game needing to be the alleviation of suffering, not the amplification and broadcasting of that suffering to raise more money. When we aren't clear on desired outcomes, and haven't examined our motives and our unquestioned bias, we can inadvertently incentivize the wrong behavior. You can end up getting some of the drivers wrong. If you feel a need to be showing the images of deprivation and people in a difficult situation to prove you are making a difference, then stop for a moment and ask yourself these questions. Do the people I'm seeking to serve want what I am offering? How do I know? Have I asked them? Is what I'm doing being done in a respectful way? And finally, if we were working together to eradicate this problem or issue, what would we be doing differently? Now, I know that that's a lot to take in. To be honest, all four of these areas that we're talking about as the traps that you're wanting to avoid are big topics that we could spend hours and days on, each of them individually. So I'm going through them quickly today, like I said at the beginning, simply to give you some guideposts, some rails, a sense of what to look out for and be conscious of. But I do understand that you won't be able to magically sort all of this out after listening to one podcast. But maybe just repeat those questions again or jot them down as you're journaling to come back to them again later. And the fourth trap we're going to look at is the cult of the heropreneur. This has been on the rise for many years now as entrepreneurship has become the sexy thing to do both in the commercial world and in the social enterprise world. This trap comes into play when we put someone on a pedestal 
and wrap the cause or movement up too tightly with that person in ways that elevate them to a status which makes them both unquestionable and unaccountable. Making one person, even someone whose intentions are extraordinary, into a saint-like figure or the hero can lead to a whole bunch of unintended consequences. If you're wanting to contribute and address messy, complex problems, you need to have a different approach that thinks more broadly about who is best placed to address a particular issue, what does that look like, and how do we actually start to create situations where we don't have to be the answer to everything. I'm not sure about you, but in the businesses and different interventions that I've set up over time, I've always come in and said, one of my jobs is to make myself redundant. I have found that if I have that as a starting point and it is front and center in my mind, then I can keep a healthier relationship with the business, organization, or project. If as a leader we see ourselves as the person who has to have the answer to the problem and that everything revolves around us, we limit what we can achieve. What helps you avoid this trap is to say, no one person or one organization can claim attribution for impact on big, complex issues being solved in the world. And so, we must remove some of the ego and personality that's put around these things and instead be really clear on what we do bring. What's our part of the puzzle? And how do we then bring the right players into the mix and collaborate together to actually achieve the desired change? As we seek to avoid the Mother Teresa trap, learning to sit with the paradox of dancing between, on the one side, it's not about you, and on the other side, it is about you. What I mean by that is that there's this deep personal work that has to happen. Because if that foundational piece isn't in place, and if we don't have a sense of who am I, what are my values, what's important to me in terms of how I behave, how I make decisions, where I put my time, talent, and treasure to work in the world. If we're not clear on that, and clear on the aspects of what we want to be part of contributing to in the world in terms of our bigger picture vision, then it's really difficult to sustain over long periods of time the kind of work that we're talking about. Because you will either be burnt out, because you will go too hard too fast, or you'll feel disillusioned and resentful because you'll end up just doing what others tell you is important or worthwhile. You won't have appropriate boundaries and you won't have that sense of fulfillment or purpose yourself. So from that side of the equation, this work is deeply personal. But then it's also holding intention with that, the fact that part of the work is to get to a place where you also realize it's not about you. It's bigger than you. Learning what is the appropriate level of respect and understanding of context that you need to bring into the work 
to be able to ensure that you're not in the situation where your ego or unquestioned motivations are taking over. Over the last 20 years, I've seen so often that despite good intentions, a problem is not only not addressed, it can often be that we make it worse. And yet we can be sitting or speaking at a conference or at a dinner party and congratulating ourselves about how generous we were, all the money we gave, the project we ran. Yet we have completely misunderstood on the ground what actually happened and the consequences of that work. And so that's why it's so important. Because unlike if you were simply designing an app and it didn't work out, Well, there's no major consequences to that. You might have lost some time and money, but there's not a disastrous consequence. One of the pieces that you need to keep in mind in this kind of work is what Rattel spoke about when he wrote about wicked problems. He had this phrase where he said, if you're dealing with wicked problems, as in those entrenched complex issues in the world, then you have no right to be wrong. And that can feel overwhelming because you can say, well, then I feel paralyzed because I can't get this wrong. I don't want you to feel that way. But it is about saying there is a responsibility when you step into this space of trying to address social or environmental problems. You are raising people's expectations. You are claiming certain outcomes are going to occur. And so there does need to be thought and some reflective practice that goes on in the designing of that. The short answer to avoiding the Mother Teresa trap, in all the common forms it takes that I've talked you through today, is to learn to dance with paradox. You need to be able to sit with the fact that on the one hand, you have to be really thoughtful because you have no right to be wrong when you're messing with people's lives. And on the other hand, you have to be willing to try and experiment and have a designerly disposition towards your work. They can seem like contradictions, but you need to have both equally. You need to hold both spaces around this being about you and doing your personal work before you try to lead others, but equally not being about you. Cultivating your both-and mindset is always a good place to start. Thank you so much for listening to Both And with Bessie Graham. You know you were born to do something significant, so don't leave it to chance. Join me each week to pick up quick tips and ideas that will support you on your journey to live and lead a meaningful life. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode and leave us a review so that other people can find us and feel a little less lonely and a little more supported on their journey of leadership. If you haven't joined our Facebook group yet, you'll find the link in the episode notes. Please join us. Thank you so much for being a part of the community and for tuning into the show each week. See you next time. Cheers.